GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, and I believe that on-chain media is going to change the world. That's why I'm carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Today, we have Cat from Zora, head of product at Zora, to talk to us about how artists can make more money, how creators can make more money by building on-chain media and how easy it is to do. We all get caught up in smart contracts, pricing, and the challenges that are associated with using this new tech where you can bring your work, whatever it may be, on-chain and get it in the hands of your fans well, Zora makes it super simple and super easy, and they are building incredible products, incredible creator toolkit to do that. And we're going to break that down in this episode with Kat today. We're also going to talk about the open edition trend and how we're seeing brands like Coinbase launch their products when they launched Base on by having a open edition mint on Zora. And then more recently, actually, I think it's still happening right now. When you listen to this, it actually might not be happening anymore. But Coinbase also has the stand with crypto mint, which is a commemorative NFT to show that you support crypto along with Coinbase. And so there's this trend around open editions. And what does that mean for brands? And how can they use this in their playbook to basically create marketing within the Ethereum network for their products. So really interesting. We break that down. And then finally, we also get into the new and very exciting Zora newsfeed, which is really your go-to place to see all on-chain media that's on Ethereum. It doesn't have all on-chain media that's on Ethereum, but it has a lot of the on-chain media that's on Ethereum. And you can mint directly there. So you can mint from this newsfeed. And then you can also explore and discover all the amazing creations that are being put onto Ethereum, whether it be music or articles or art or JPEGs or whatever form of media or video, whatever form of media it might be, you can discover it all through their new newsfeed. Really incredible. Just a great episode where Kat really talks about how capable the Zora team is and the speed at which they are producing and all the ways that this is helping creators and collectors enjoy Ethereum and be part of the Web3 evolution that we are all so excited about. So buckle up. This is an incredible episode. Before we jump in, we just need to take a minute to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, 
and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. What if I told you that industry pioneers from flagship Web3 brands such as Consensus, Polygon, Binance, Unstoppable Domains, Ledger, and Uniswap will all meet up in one place this summer. You don't want to miss this. I'm talking about the epic Web3 conference taking place in beautiful Lisbon on the 9th of June with over 20 curated talks, speed consultations with Web3 experts, networking sessions with investors, and even the opportunity to raise funds. This conference has it all and you'll get the tools you need to succeed in this industry. Plus, we at Web3 Academy will attend and host a community meetup with you and the other smart community before the main event. So come along, meet us, network, and start building alongside leading Web3 innovators. We can't wait to meet you. Remember, Lisbon, Portugal, 9th of June. We've got a 15% discount for you, but ticket prices go up every few days. So get your tickets today by using the link in the show notes. Enter the promo code WEB3ACADEMY15 to secure your spot. Or if you become a pro member, you can get an even bigger discount. So go pro today. And we'll see you in Lisbon, Portugal, on the 9th of June at the Epic Web3 Conference. Kat, welcome to the show. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. You're really excited to jump into Zora and creator toolkits and marketplaces versus platforms versus really everything you guys are building at Zora, which has been super interesting to watch the sort of the evolution of your product over the last few years from you know starting as this mainly a secondary nft marketplace and now growing into when you guys launched your creator toolkit and being more of a focus on this primary marketplace i think where we should start today is really if maybe you could just give us that timeline or that like a little bit of a history lesson on zora and what has led you to where you are today and really bring us up to speed on what you guys are focused on and what you are offering today. Yeah, of course. So when I joined Zora last year, I'd say that probably most people would recognize Zora as a marketplace at that time. We'd actually just launched our career toolkit right about March or April last year, and we were starting to see a bunch of amazing traction happening. Lots of creators just like loved minting, like using our platform. And we were starting to see lots of activity on primary mints, like direct relationship between the creator and the collector. And yeah, um, it was really awesome to see, like we were just seeing like such a huge volume of mints in comparison to things that were happening on secondary and decided to kind of focus on that as a company and started really building out that creator toolkit making it much easier for creators to bring their work on chain, but also, yeah, make it easier for them to, for their audience to find them as well. And that's what we've been really doubling down on and working on over the last six to 12 months as Aura. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about who are these creators and what are they minting typically, do you find? I mean, NFT obviously is, we say this all the time on the show, it's just a wrapper for 
any digital item, you know, so a song could be an NFT, an article could be an NFT, a piece of art could be an NFT. I think we've gotten gone a little caught up in the hype of an NFT as a monkey JPEG, but it's so much more than that. So I'm curious, what are you seeing creators using NFTs for and how are you seeing any trends? Like what has that led you guys to think about in terms of the way you are developing your creative toolkit? Yeah, that's a super interesting question. And I think, you know, we really see like the full breadth of human creativity coming on chain. So it's like everything from like high art to memes to music, video content as well. Like we're seeing basically the whole spectrum and it's sometimes like really established artists that are incorporating a web3 strategy into their into their artistic practice sometimes it's like people just experimenting we're seeing brands obviously experimenting in the space as well and thinking about what they can do there i think the on-chain media is probably the best way that i think mm -hmm. about it which is like it can really be anything and some of the i think the biggest changes that i've seen over the last year have maybe tied into the Bear market essentially like you know bill market was all one of ones auctions super high priced nfts artists were really producing very like big pieces of work and you know getting like these super high bids for it which was really really amazing to see i think with the bear market there's been a move more towards minting smaller less production heavy pieces of work that allow that play more into the sort of the more playful experience of like an open edition. It doesn't have to be the super expensive one of one, but it's a very low cost entry point to that artist's world. We also see a lot of artists minting things around a bigger piece. So maybe there's the super expensive one of one, but there's also the fragments and sketches around the artistic practice that are being minted as part of uh, distributing their work to more collectors instead of looking for, for people to buy things at a higher price. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a sort of a, a walkthrough of, let's take an example of a creator you can pick whether you want it to be an artist. When would they first interact with Zora? And then what would be the steps of how they would use the creator toolkit and then all the way through until Mint? Like, what does that process look like for them? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's super easy. So you don't hear that in Athens Web 3. <laughs> <laughs> nice to hear somebody say it's super easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we try our hardest to make it very easy for creators to use our token. Like, that's, I think, the piece of feedback that we get all of the time from people that we're onboarding to Web3 is they're like, oh, wow, I can't believe it's actually that easy, which is really nice. And I think definitely one of our superpowers as well that minting on Zora is super straightforward. Basically, you know, like we attract a lot of artists through our networks like we have we have amazing artists on chain who are super proud to be associated with Zora who talk about us a lot and um, there's a lot of goodwill I think in a lot of artist communities towards us as a toolkit so usually we find that artists come into contact with us kind of through word of mouth like through our brand and really what they do is once they come you connect your wallet you click the create button you upload your media a description and title and that's it it's super easy we try to like minimize the choices that you're making we try to kind of be a bit opinionated about the type of contract that you're using and yeah is that easy and then once the contract's deployed it shows up in our feed and um, you have a personalized mint page which you can deploy uh, different themes to that so it's like a kind of we always like say it's a bit of like a MySpace thing. You can like customize your mint page like with fonts and colors and 
really kind of tie it into the artwork itself. So it lives in this like world that you have created. And from there, yeah, you can, your audience will be able to mint directly on your mint page. They have no idea about the smart contract. Like, are they aware that this is all being run on a smart contract? Do they understand that? Do they even need to understand that? Or is that just all in the background? It's mostly going on in the background like there are some places where we make it clear about you know like we differentiate between 721 and 1155 we try to do a bit of like onboarding in our docs but i would say that like the people who come to zora are already like very crypto curious and kind of in the the near realm already so I think at the moment we're not really bringing in like completely new people to Web3. It's usually people who are already kind of open to this idea of Web3, of crypto. I guess what you're seeing is, and this makes sense, as we onboard more, hopefully a billion people by 2030, if you know the current projections are stay on track, bear market aside, I think we are heading in that direction. And I think we have to remember that and this kind of aligns with what you're saying, you guys saw that not all NFTs are about speculation. They're not about, you know, these 10,000 PFP collections where you're buying something for, you know, 0.2 ETH and it's going to go to the moon and it's going to be worth 100 ETH, right? In fact, I think that that is likely over and will never happen again. And that was a moment in time of crazy degenerate in 2021. For better and for worse, to be honest, because I think it did put a lot of negative media attention on the space. But what you're seeing, and this makes sense, is that there is a need for creators to be able to get digital assets into the hands of their followers. And that might not be, and I guess where my question is with this, is how many of these are free NFTs or are they very low cost NFTs most of the time? I almost hate to call them NFTs because I think that is a term that is misleading. So feel free to use a different term if you want. But I'm just curious about the price that you are seeing that most creators are setting and what trends you're seeing around that. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I mean, I think I saw a tweet about this recently that was like, I can't wait to never say the word NFT ever again. I just want to collect things on the internet. And yeah. that is what we're seeing is more of like a collector behavior versus like yeah, a speculation object. And I don't come from like a finance crypto degen background. So for me, like NFTs have always been about collecting timestamped pieces of the internet. And that's what's important to me and to a lot of the people that we're seeing. Um, I think, yeah, to go back to the pricing thing, lots of these editions, these open editions have been free or very low price. But yeah, like you can still do significant volume on a very low priced nft that brings in 5e 6e you know that is very within the realms of possibility that you can do with these open editions and with your art which is just super inspiring to see that there's like a different mechanism there but it's one that's still working for creators there's so many ways we can go with that but i, I think it's a great point that if you're a creator there is still an opportunity to make money through digital collectibles you won't you know maybe not the money that was being made in 2021 but that's not necessarily the point here right mm -hmm. the point is to have a way to interact peer-to-peer -peer, as you said at the beginning directly with your fans so you now have a direct connection to them that you didn't have previously well if you sold physical work you did have that but 
who has a database that they can contact all like if you're an artist you've got art out there do you really know who everybody that holds your art is probably not right there isn't really that opportunity to connect with them yeah i also can't wait to stop saying the word nft i, I always like it it would be like if we all talked about buying mp3s like if when music went online we were all like hey i bought an mp3 today like nobody would say that You'd say you bought a song. You'd say what you bought. Same thing with NFTs. Nobody should be buying NFTs. You should be buying a piece of art or a meme or a access to a membership or a community or a ticket to an event. Like Those are the things that you're buying, not the NFT. I want to get more into the use cases and the open editions, but I want to tell a little bit about your story first. So can you tell us why did you first start working at Zora? As you said, you're not a crypto native. You weren't DGEN before, what brought you into Web3 and attracted you to spend time in the space? My background is music tech. So I've been working in music tech for the last 10 years. I started my career at SoundCloud back in 2012. I actually joined as a customer support specialist and ended up in product over the five years that I spent there. But for the last 10 years, I've been working building tools for creators and the majority of it has been uh, spent building tools for creators to get paid on the internet. I was part of the monetization efforts at SoundCloud to try and get to try and monetize basically for independent creators and also record labels and other parts of the industry. That was a kind of interesting thing to try and build out at that time. They were trying to compete with Spotify. It was definitely yeah like a, a super interesting time to be building um, creator tools. Um, streaming was like the new meta that had been disrupting the music industry and it was like pivoting to this this new thing. Between SoundCloud and Zora, I worked on a number of career tools. I worked at Ableton, um, so directly building tools for music makers and trying to figure out, yeah, what Ableton should build next and what might be interesting for musicians to expand their artistic practice. Then I went to go and work for a corporate where I was building out a tool to bring publishing and mechanical rights together. So to try and actually like bring those two income streams together for artists into one place. But yeah, I think after so many years of trying to build tools for creators to make money on the internet and seeing the royalty statements of the tools that I was building are like, you know, euros, cents, not really significantly life-changing and feeling actually quite disillusioned with it all. And then this was around about the time that obviously the NFT hype had started. I knew some people from the industry, from the music industry, who'd started to, to work in the NFT space. And yeah, I mean, it's addictive when you have spent like your whole career trying to make money for artists and then all of a sudden you see artists making money in a new way and exploring like a new meta so instead of streaming disrupting it's nfts and on-chain media and yeah i had to kind of get involved in it and like zora is pretty much the most well-known brand i would say kind of in the sphere of artists that i was kind of working within and uh, yeah, they were looking for product people. I decided to apply and yeah, ended up at Zora. And now I get to make creators money and actually get to see that money go into their hands, which is amazing. It's an amazing feeling. For somebody who spent their career helping creators monetize, and as you said, doing it unfortunately unsuccessfully, not your fault, but the a result of the business model of the current I mean, music industry with streaming and SoundCloud has, you know, done an amazing job. Big SoundCloud fan. I 
been a listener for gosh for so long but it's been tough to put money into the artist's hands and now we finally have a way to do that i, I can only imagine how how excited you must have been are you an artist yourself is that where this no, passion comes from or are you just no you're just i just a love person music. you're just like just i love, love artists they deserve more money <laughs> exactly <laughs> good for you we need more uh altruistic humans like yourself who look out for the little guys you really love tech no that's it <laughs> well that's why you live in berlin <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> let's talk about some use cases you mentioned briefly the open edition trend which i want to talk about maybe that's where you want to start but how are you seeing different brands use zora and let's dive into some of those of those use cases do you want to start to start with open edition or is there any other use cases that you see right now that you want to talk about so i think open editions is a good place to start okay so let's start there so i think everybody listening to this show knows what open editions are but maybe give a brief explanation of open editions and then let's take some specific examples over the past six months of some of the, I know you guys had Coinbase launch base token with the largest open edition ever, I believe over 480,000 mints. So give us some examples and let's talk about why you think brands are doing that and what they're getting from that. That was a very exciting day in the office. It was an amazing day, Zora. So yeah, the open edition is basically um, NFT that you can set as time limited, not volume limited. So it's open and can take as many mints as can happen essentially in that time period. Most commonly we see like a 24 hour mint, three day mint, seven day mint is kind of the longest one that we usually see. At the moment, you also see people kind of playing around with the timing as a bit of like part of the artistic practice as well, which is really cool. But yeah, we've had some huge open editions on Zora this year. So the Coinbase one is a good example of, I think, a brand leveraging the open edition format as a way of running essentially an advertisement for a product launch on Ethereum. So you are deploying like your ad, which is the commemorative NFT. You're fan base can essentially collect a timestamp piece of internet culture. I was there when Coinbase announced base. I was there. I was a supporter at that time. And yeah, so many mints of it and people really responded to it. And I think based on the success of that, like we've had lots more open editions that are kind of in the same vein. So for example, well, we actually have another Coinbase one running at the moment, Stand With Crypto, that's um, mm -hmm. to raise funds for crypto advocacy. Gitcoin did a free open edition of their impact report, which was really cool. And then, yeah, we had an open edition as well with an artistic project called Gemma Project. It was a really amazing 1155 collection of artist mantras. So it was like if you had one of those magic eight balls and it had um, like a collection of, I think it was like a hundred different mantras as an artist. So you could collect all of these really cool like open editions from from this project and again that one was priced super low as well so it was quite an interesting take on the format as well it's really interesting to think about this as a a marketing tactic to go along with a launch that makes a little sense you launch something new you want to give your fans an opportunity to say hey i was part of that launch it sort of makes me think a little bit more like a po app almost it's like I was at that event, right? Like a pull-up is obviously more about a being somewhere, a place in time and being present. But it's same idea. It's like this connection to 
a moment in time. Quite honestly, when I think about base, what I think is, okay, why did most people mint that? Did most people mint that? Because they think that by minting that, that they're going to be considered for an airdrop of the token in the future. And if Coinbase ever launches their own token, like is that? I'm curious to think about it from both sides. From the minter side, what's their motive? And from the from the business side, what is their motive? What do you think? So I think from the business side, it's super clear, right? It's like if you are a crypto business, like your audience is on Ethereum and you have like the whole of Ethereum that you can advertise to. It's, you know, like really impactful, like getting eyes on something and seeing the kind of proliferation of your advert as like a piece of on-chain media, which is super cool. I think from the Minter side, like obviously there's different motivations for it, but I very strongly lean into the camp of I was there, co-op-esque, timestamp pieces of internet culture. You know, I think another partnership that we had, and this is maybe like two different ways of approaching NFTs, but we have a partnership with Colors, which is the YouTube music show. Like it's so amazing and like a really incredible part of music culture also based here in berlin they're going to be launching a partnership with us that's much more about collecting but they also announced this with a free open edition and we actually we launched a new feature recently called mint with comment so now you can like comment on things when you're minting them as well so it's like claiming part of internet culture you were there when this like thing happened and mm. you said something about it and it stays on the menu. I just think that's like such a playful and interesting way to experience on chain media. So you don't have to put a comment in order to mint. You, you just have like the now. option yeah, the of like adding a comment when you mint. Huh. And then that that comment is that comment put on chain? Yeah, 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 it's on chain. Like if you go to the Zora Mint page, for example, you can see an activity stream of all of the people who are minting, how many they've minted, and if they've left a comment. Wow, very interesting. So if you're talking to a creator who has not done anything Web3 and they're not Web3 based, what's your advice to them? Are you telling them that they should launch some sort of collectible should they go big should they go small what would be your advice my advice is always don't overthink it you don't need a strategy you don't need a plan web3 is still super young we're still seeing different dynamics play out things are changing all the time what works today might not work in two months even a year in crypto i have quickly learned is more like a decade in other industries so yeah that's kind of always my sell is i'm just like i'll help you get set up with a wallet mint something on chain see what happens it's always fun to see people's reaction to when they start seeing like oh someone was actually willing to spend even like a dollar on something that i put up and it's and it's that kind of moment where they're just like wow like i don't need to think about this too much i don't need to have a big plan in place and find an audience that wants to pay me oh it's just a, an exciting moment to get to with a career if a collector is going to mint on zora do they have to have a wallet can they do so with fiat they need a wallet we're on mainnet ethereum that's the the chain that we're using so yeah they do need to have a wallet and they do need to have some eth which i'm sure this is like every web3 app it suffers from the same adoption hurdle i think so yeah yeah 
as is mentioned, our audience tend to be fairly crypto curious or people who are maybe in the sphere of other crypto people. I think like one of the really great examples, again, of like another open edition was Grimes. So Grimes did an open edition as part of her ultra music festival, elf tech performance piece of work. And it was like a mint that brought in like 2000 new wallets or something, you know, like this is like Grimes fans who want to mint and like you could see it in the Twitter comments, like, you know, people were helping out these Grimes fans to, like, get really? a wallet to be able to mint, or they were like, I'll mint one for you, just send me your wallet address, I'll send it to you. You know, there was, like, this wow. real seeing this group of people who are, like, on the cusp of crypto or, like, or on our near sort of boundary of crypto being brought in by the people who are already there and kind of helping to bridge that gap with them which was really awesome that's beautiful i love that that's i mean that's community that's the culture of web3 at its core is we don't need these intermediaries anymore we have the community of collectors and fans we have the creator and we can just come together and build great things and allow each other to do so well making enough money to live a life and not be a starving artist forever which is which is obviously a challenge. Okay, I want to jump into the news feed that you guys have launched recently. I, when I first saw this, my first reaction, and I think this was many first reactions, was that this was the Tumblr of Web3. I remember at my first Tumblr, gosh, this is an old story, but I live in Canada, so I'm a big snowboarder, and I did a six-week trip where I lived in an RV snowboarding every day, by gosh, 15 years ago. And I started the Tumblr as a way to share with my friends and family. And so it was a really fun way to create and to allow people, friends, family, I don't have fans. I'm not some big snowboarder or anything like that. It was a fun way for, to allow them to follow me. Seeing your new newsfeed felt like the first time that I could see a way to interact with all of the on-chain media that is being created and minted in a different way than currently. Like currently you go to secondary marketplaces and there isn't like this discovery or this curation of collectibles in on-chain media. So it got me very excited. I'm, I'll let you jump in now and tell us what the inspiration was and what led you guys to develop the newsfeed and yeah, what you're seeing as results. Super great question. I think it kind of came out of this feeling that there's so much amazing like on-chain media on Ethereum and there's no easy way to see it everywhere and to see, to see everything together. And I think, you know, we built the feed as like a way to discover and enjoy everything that's on Ethereum. And it was like a super amazing project to work on, like everyone. And I don't think it's like a shock to hear you say that it felt like Tumblr because that was obviously a huge inspiration and something that we were really leaning into and people were excited about. So yeah, like we built it out and first of all, we just had Zora mints in there, but we since expanded to include from Foundation, from Manifold and from other Web3 platforms as well. So yeah, you can really discover and it's just, it's so much fun to just like scroll that feed and like see all of the cool stuff that's being minted every day. You can see like who's been minting it. It's really easy for you to just like jump into the mint flow. It's like, yeah, absurdly easy actually to just mint from the feed in the first place, which is really cool. One thing that you mentioned there that's really fascinating about Web3 is this interoperability. I don't know the engineering behind projects from Manifold and projects from Foundation to be shown on the newsfeed. But when I think about in the Web2 world, if 
you know, Facebook launches a feed, you're only seeing stuff from within Facebook. They're not also going to show you stuff from Twitter and from their competitors. But in your case, you're saying, hey, everybody come in. This is a central place for everything that's on Ethereum. Is that something that gets you excited when you think about the interoperability and the the ways that things can be sort of stacked in the composability of Web3? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's like it's a super exciting space to be building. And this is like, again, my first Web3, first crypto job. It's a very different mindset about how you build. It's really like interesting. I've loved diving into it. Like it presents so many more opportunities. Like there's some new challenges as well uh, to learn about building in the space. But it's awesome. I love it. So being on the product team, maybe you can take us through like a the creation of the newsfeed product. How does that start and how do you ensure that you're launching great products? Obviously, like making great digital products is tough. As you said, in crypto, a year feels like a decade. It's difficult to stay on top of things and to be on trend. You know, things change so fast and you're like, oops, we made this for something that was, you know, six months ago. It's no longer a thing. What is your product, you know, roadmap or philosophy that allowed you to to create this and maybe you can take us through how long did it take you guys from first idea to launch? Yeah, so I can probably give you like exact dates about this. The first time that we decided, well, the first time I guess that we announced that we were going to do this and got everybody excited about it was at the beginning of December. It was the first week of December after I think our Basel. And then we shipped on February 6th. Super fast, super fast. Our team is incredible like absolutely incredible. It's like such a joy to work with them every day. Everybody is like really, really on it, really excited about what we're building. I think the thing that I've learned in Web3 about just like, and generally, and maybe has shaped my product philosophy around it a little bit, is like just remaining like very open to changes and like not backing yourself into a corner, like being able to pivot, being able to make a bold move at times and know that you can come back from it. I think that's like the agility of like your team and the ability to kind of shift when needed and move towards like a new goal is absolutely essential and something that I think we have an amazing culture of at Zora. I mean, the first introductions of like this new vision, well, this kind of extension of our vision at the beginning of December. And I think like Jacob even like minted like that slide recently and was like, yeah, that was like five months ago and we've like done everything that we planned to do there which is just an amazing feeling team are awesome um pleasure to build alongside them shout out that's incredible not many companies are in that position where they can look at a slide six months later five months later and be like we did it especially in a space that is changing and moving so fast i'm curious what sort of results are you seeing from the news feed so far has it taken off are you driving more mints than before? Or are you getting a lot of traction on it? How are, are you getting feedback on how users are using it and what they're liking? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like I think creators love it, right? Because it's like they see their work come up in the space. They're starting to see more mints that are coming from the feed or like maybe aren't coming from their direct audience, which is really cool. They're really excited about it. I think like collectors are just enjoying browsing it. Like we get a lot of feedback about that all the time. That just feels like a really beautiful product experience. And that I think actually speaks to the design tastes of not just like 
our design team, but as our engineers, like everybody has this kind of focus on quality and like what that experience actually feels like. So yeah, there's lots more that we can do there and I'm really excited to keep building that out, but it seems to have been a, a win for both collectors and creators so far. And what is the algorithm and how does it decide what to show? Obviously there is no shortage of on-chain media on Ethereum. Is it custom to a particular person? Do I connect my wallet and it looks at who I am and shows me stuff based upon my on-chain history? Yeah, so the algorithm, like we've been experimenting with different things, like what works well, and I think we're still trying to figure that out at the moment. But yeah, there's obviously like lots of different signals that you can look at, um, but yeah, we're still experimenting and figuring out what works for the best kind of product experience at the moment. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, then we'll take time for sure. Okay. I want to talk a bit about, uh, about Zora and Zora's business model. How does Zora make money? If everyone's doing free open edition mints, are you making money off that? Is there, is there something coming your direction or what's the business model for Zora? We actually changed our fee structure in February. So to begin with, we had a creator fee. So it was when you withdraw funds from the smart contract, we would take a percentage of that fee. And then actually what we decided to do was get rid of that because we felt like it was actually an unfair burden on creators. We didn't want to be charging them to mint using Zora. So we switched the fee over to be on the collector side. So there's like a 0.000777 ETH mint fee on every transaction, which I think is around about a dollar most of the time. And um, yeah, so that's been our switch as we've moved from having a fee for creators to having a fee for collectors. Okay. So basically it's a dollar to the collector to mint. It doesn't matter what they're minting. It's exactly. It could be free or it could be $10,000 mint. Exactly. Huh. And have you seen any reaction? That feels incredibly low to me. Like that is a very fair take rate for what you're building and what you're offering. When you look at all the Web2 businesses whose take rates are anywhere from 30% to 100% to take a dollar. Now, I guess on a free mint, then you know that's a high high percentage, but it's just a dollar. Like what sort of any reaction that you've seen? Are people willing to pay that? Are they hesitant? I think creators are just super happy that they don't need to pay anymore, which is, you know, what we were aiming for. I think, you know, any change in fee structure, you're always going to get feedback on it from people. But so far, we haven't seen it put people off minting at all. As, you know, like considering, especially in Ethereum, you're paying gas prices anyway, the extra dollar doesn't feel like a huge leap there. Yeah, definitely not. A dollar feels very fair. Before we jump into speed round and wrap up, what's next? Anything you can share with us about what's on the roadmap, what's coming up for Zora? We are just always experimenting with ways to make creators more money. That is our number one <laughs> goal. So yeah, just experimenting with all of the kind of cool options that we can think up to build out for that. With that being the goal, do you track that in any way? Do you look at how much money you've you've made for creators as a result of using the creator toolkit? Yeah, of course. Like we have lots of gin dashboards that um, we keep track of and make sure that we're kind of going in the right direction. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So exciting to see. Okay. I want to jump into a speed round, but before we do, I just want to give you a chance to 
sort of give a little bit of shell. Obviously, we've talked a ton about Zorro, but where can people find you? Anything you want to say to specifically to creators or to collectors? Yeah, you can find us at Zora.co. Super easy to just click the create button. If you are a creator who's thinking about where you're next going to deploy your smart contract, I would highly advise you to check out Zora. We make it super easy for you. You can have a personalized mint page. You can have a personalized profile page as well that is works with your art we allow your collectors to interact with you using comments yeah advise you to check us out and start minting awesome and what about yourself where can people follow you online yeah you can find me on twitter catalina 030 i mostly tweet about weird german politics and also about crypto so it depends which which camp of followers you fall into It's very niche. We'll save the German po- political conversation for another show in the future, but we'll get you back on for that. <laughs> Let's wrap with a speed round. First question, what's an NFT you'll never sell? So my answer to this is that I wouldn't sell any of them. I'm collecting timestamped pieces of internet culture. I have no intention to sell any of my NFTs. Ah, that's a great answer. You're the first person ever to put it like that. So you're not buying NFTs for investment purposes. Not at all. Which, quite honestly, nobody should buy NFTs for investment purposes. You should buy NFTs as a collector or as a as a utility. Maybe because we're something, but that should not be that should not be the purpose in my mind. Favorite person to follow on Twitter? So yeah, coming back to the German point, I follow a really funny person called El Hotzo. Very good German takes, but yeah, in German. In German, okay. So I'll be for. Only for our listeners who speak German. (laughs) Okay, last question. If you had a billboard that 1 billion people were going to see, what would you write on it? I would just have our big Zorb. The Zorb is like ubiquitous with Zora and our brand. And if 1 billion people saw the Zorb, I would be so happy. I love it. A marketer at heart. (laughs) Would you write anything or would you just have? Maybe like one of our internal phrases, like fuck it, we men would be fun to have up there too. What's the internal phrase? Fuck it, we mint? Yeah. What's that mean? Just you should mint anything. You should just go for it. Just mint it. I love it. I love it. It's so fun to approach it from that perspective of like, forget the plan, forget the strategy, just have fun. If you're minting something and you're charging thousands of dollars for it, you should have a plan and a strategy, right? But if you're doing something just to have some fun and get something into your into the hands of your customers and maybe you know, maybe you're charging a small amount. What is it again? Fuck it, just mint? Fuck it, we mint. (laughs) Fuck it, we mint. I'm curious now, what are the other sayings? Well, there's so many. There's so many. We have have so many internal memes. If you follow any of us on Twitter, you'll probably hear most of them. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Kat, this has been wonderful. I'm definitely going to tell every creator that I know that they should be checking out Zora. All of our listeners should be doing that as well. Really great to hear your perspectives and also, thank you for being such an altruistic creator and builder in this space that cares so much about putting money back into the hands of creators. That is so needed. Thanks for having me. It's been great to chat to you. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. 
Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.